Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. The individual needs a policy, and it is so embedded in our daily in our daily activities and our daily talk that we use it without without really challenging the notion of the individual. That's the voice of Marcelo Savadra. On this week's show, we speak to Marcelo. Stay tuned. I am very privileged to have with us uh, Dr. Marcelo Saavedra. He's an Aymara elder, and uh, he's joining us from Ottawa. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you so much. I love the story of creation. Uh, we are speaking with Dr. Marcelo Saavedra. He's an Aymara elder. And as you, as you take us to the creation of Turtle Island... That's why they call this territory a Kiminak which means the back of the turtle. You know, and many people don't know why they call it like that. And it is because one, it, it, it looks, I mean, when you see the territory at large with a satellite photograph, for instance, you're going to see that it looks like a turtle very much. You just have to believe that it is a turtle to see it. And it is not, as the, the Europeans say, I have to see it to believe it. It's the opposite. I have to believe it to see it. So if you believe in it, you are going to see the turtle. You know, and actually I'm, I'm creating a constitutional kit in which we actually draw a geographical map. And then on top, we draw the turtle. And if it's perfect, it's like a, the territory is a turtle. As you go uh, through the back of the turtle, you find that any turtle, for this matter, has 13 shells, inner central shells. There are 13. And on the sides of the, of the big shell, there, there's also 26 um, smaller shells. And this represents the council of grandmothers and the council of grandfathers. And the central shells, which are also 13, they represent the social order that they have to follow. The story, the myth of creation because becomes more complex. It actually allows you to create a social order by following the seven teachings that I mentioned before and that you get to live in equilibrium and in harmony with Mother Earth. By what you said, that the animals had to remember their covenants, they had to remember um, their instructions. Um, what are those instructions? Remind us, what are the key teachings of our grandfathers? Teachings that were uh, kept by our ancestors, they had a fractal design. So just by knowing a bunch of them, uh, a subset of them, you can actually derive the other teachings because we haven't completely forgotten our original instructions. We can still remember them if we are, well, if we are humble, if we are honest, if we are respectful, if we are brave, if we are wise, if we love uh, our relations, 
And if we are truthful, those are, the, I just mentioned the seven teachings of the seven grandfathers. If we are, if we follow those values, we are going to live a life that tends to be in equilibrium and tends to be in harmony with Mother Earth. And uh, when I say Mother Earth, I'm also referring to the cosmos because we believe in, in a parity fashion. We know that the planet is not alone in her orbit. It comes along with the solar system, you know, and it also comes with the sun, which we call Tata Inti, Father Sun. That, that's a parity as well, fundamental parity. And also actually our universe, it comes also paired up with what they say it's uh, dark energy, which makes up about 72 to 75% of what there is in this cosmos. So everything is like a, in, in, in a parity relation, like everything. We, just, we have just forgotten that, and we believe this illusion of uh, individuals, of things expressing themselves as individual things, and that's only an illusion, it's not real. Like everything comes, you come surrounded by your relations. It's metakuye oyasin in the Lakota language, you know. And, uh, and of course, you find uh, not the same teachings are not expressed in the same way, because these teachings, uh, they pertain more to uh, turtle islanders. In the South, in, in my culture, you find other teachings that actually complement and complete and the same as, as, as opposing the teachings of the people of the north of, of, of Turtle Island. So uh, we have uh, a prophecy which is called the prophecy of the Pachacuti. Pachacuti means the cosmic upheaval. And this prophecy, I'm going to summarize it, it talks about the peoples, the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and the indigenous peoples of the uh, Tawantinsuyu and their power animals. Our power animal is the condor and the power animal of the Turtle Islanders is the eagle. And this prophecy talks about a time when everything was going to be upside down and when we were going to meet again. People that are uh, that represent the, the eagle and people that represent the condor. And when we met with Jacob, that's the first thing that came to our mind, because actually when I met him, I met him when he was performing at the dance of the eagle. So I approached Jacob and I asked him, so you are dancing the, the dance of the eagle? And I know it because I have seen this dance uh, in my in my territory, but being danced differently because it was the dance of the condor, and uh, my elders explained to me that our peoples they were going to meet again once the planet is going through a very profound crisis, and that's how I recognized uh, Jacob. And since then, I walked with him for about ten years, trying to remember our original instructions. And we did manage to, to remember like uh, many, many of them. So, and, and, and for me, that was a magical uh, period in my life when I was walking with Jacob because we managed to find 
our my constitution uh, in in the south, which is basically a, a constellation on the sky, and we managed to find the constitution of Turtle Islanders in the myth of creation of uh, Turtle Island. And though this, these two constitutions, they're also the myth of creation of our peoples. But then we went on and we started to search or to, to dig into the myth of creation of Mesoamerican people, or I should say of Anahuac people, because, you know, Latin America, North America, Mesoamerica, they are misnomers. Our original names, like this territory is rather called uh, Akiminak Nimitik, that it's, ori it, it's original name. In the south, its original name is Tawantinsuyu, um, and the whole of the, what they call the Americas is called the Adiyadra, you know. So, so those are their proper names, and that's how we should call them. Not only because they are the proper names, but because they are beautiful. They mean something, you know. And uh, their names also, they leave you with a sense of that these things are alive, because they are. You know, Turtle Island is a turtle, it's alive. So the Constitution, which is the back of the turtle, is also alive. It hasn't been killed yet by writing it down. It's, it's still like orally passed from generation to generation because it is very important for us that we follow something that is alive. The, my territory as well, still alive. They haven't been able to kill it yet. It's quite resilient. And it's going to survive many other attempts to destroy it in the time to come. But we will still resist it as we are doing it today. And we have done it for the past five centuries, you know. So it is key that these things remain alive because we are living beings and we have to abide by other living uh, phenomena. I love that you introduce us to the concept of metakuyo yasin, this idea of I am the reflection of my relations. Um, and also the power of understanding our stories or of knowing our stories, of knowing our names, the names of the places that gave birth to us. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, the way these names not only inform how we see, how we walk, but how we co-create with each other, you know, how this co-creates a vision, a community that is um, encompassing, that is based on reciprocity and respect. As I said, uh, the Lakota saying that I am myself, it says, metakuye oyasin, which is a beautiful thing because it says, I am all my relations. I am a reflection of all my relations. So this means that me as an individual is only as an illusion. And after the Europeans came, they brought with them one of the illusions. Actually, they brought many illusions with them and they imposed them onto us. But one of the illusions that they brought was the illusion of the individual. So for instance, the Charter of Rights of, of, of Canada, which is the constitution of this country, is based on the premise 
that there is an individual, and this individual has rights that has to demand to the state. You know, we don't believe in that. We rather are, we think we are persons instead of individuals. And I have challenged my students to actually prove me that the individual exists, you know. But the first thing we have to do to create an individual is to severe him or her from all of its relations. But if you do that, yes, you get an individual. But, in, but this individual, how long can, can it survive with, without its, his or her relations? Not, not too long, you know? So it's, not, it's a fallacy. The individual, it's a fallacy. And it is so embedded in our daily, in our daily activities and our daily talk that we use it without, without really challenging the notion of the individual. You know, it, it only it takes a long, uh, long reflection and a deep reflection to understand the individual. The, the individual is just an illusion that was imposed onto us for hundreds of years. But the individual doesn't exist. What really exists is the person. The, because the person doesn't come along. The person comes with its parity relation, which is the community. And not only the human community, also the non-human community. You know that in your body, for instance, you have millions of bacteria coexisting with you at the same time in your body. That's already, that's already a relationship, a vital relationship for us and also for the bacteria. Uh, fungus, for instance, they are also coexisting at the same time that we are in our bodies. So you also find fungi all over your body because we need each other to coexist. Uh, Darwin, he emphasized the notion of competition and the survival of the fittest when he looked at the non-humans as individuals, but that's a mistaken perception because he didn't see the other component of life on this planet which is symbiosis. We couldn't live with all of our relationships with other animals, with other plants, with the trees. So he didn't look at that. He just looked at the competition, the individual part, and the survival of the fittest. And actually, if you look, uh, go to Google and look for any animal, you're going to see that that animal, whatever it is, is coming with other animals as well. And these other animals, they're uh, fulfilling other functions like cleaning up the animal from bacteria, from other pests like the crocodiles, for instance, and they exist it, uh, with each other. They, they coexist, they share their existence together, never alone, never individually. I'm reminded of the way um we often talk to each other when you when we first met you said to be me i have to walk with others and i've always been struck by the beauty of that sentence the the beauty of um not just the notion of parity but the way we co-create each other the way we are constantly in co-creation of one another and this idea of love as one entry point to all the knowing 
that it's already uh, inscribed and you know in the its instructions are already all around us in nature and <coughs> the animals and the people that we you know that we coexist with um, so how do we nurture uh, this way of being in ways that uh, allow us to grow to be grounded to free ourselves of paradigms because I think one of the ways that we have learned to see the world in the Western way of seeing is to understand the different paradigms, the different ways of seeing, whether it's a capitalist paradigm, whether it's, you know, this idea that money, you know, a, a particular system of uh, managing uh, financial wealth is could possibly be a guiding system for co-creating life which we have now seen it is not um you know when we look at the world around the world almost all of the world is capitalist and almost everywhere in the world we see devastation poverty hunger wars so clearly um this concept of um financial um you know paradigms or, or the capitalist paradigm, to be specific, has not been uh, a successful way. But when we go back to indigenous ways of knowing, when we go back to our ancestral wisdom, to our teachings, we find something that is organic, that is ever-present, that is living, that is alive and informs us. Um, perhaps we could talk a little bit about the meaning of those words because they are not only instructing and guiding us, but they're also reflections of how we can see, how we can co-create, reimagine, and um, and walk in, in, in a more gentler way. Um, you talked about the different names we we have forgotten, you know, our, the, our lands, the what we you know what colonial power has called Americas is Aviala. What does that term mean? What does how does it help us inform and inform a new consciousness of who we are? Yeah, I I, I like your question, <clears throat> and I also I like uh, that you use a proper word for uh, describing what should be our place on this planet. You said nurture. And actually, uh, in my culture and in many other mature cultures, there is like a perception of what our place should be in relation to our Mother Earth. And for instance, in my language, Aymara, we say Sumakamaya, and that means live and coexist well. In Quechua, we say Sumakausai, which means basically the same thing, live and coexist well. Other cultures, like for instance, the Guarani culture in the Amazon, they say Nyandereko or Ivimaraye, which means living in the land without evil. In the Anishinaabe Mowin language, they say, we say Minobimadisuin, which means being alive well. In Cree, they say Miupinitium, which means also like uh, being been alive well and uh, in, in harmony with everything that exists. In Inuktitut, I, I, I know I don't pronounce well Inuktitut, 
but it's it's something like a, uh, it is Kajarnik. Um, Kajarnik. That's called. Uh, it's much more complex than the other uh, things I said, but it means like being in your land in a reflective position and being glad to be there with everything that surrounds you. So they have found other metaphors for that. So it's much difficult to interpret, but I did have some uh, an Inuk elder to interpret this for me. And that's what uh, he told me. And many other uh, mature cultures, they actually have a perception about our place on, on, on the circle of life. And it's expressed in many ways, and they basically mean the same thing. That we have to coexist and we have together, we have to be together nurturing our life and the lives of our relations to exist peacefully and prudently on this planet. Because now it's we have we are well into the era of the Pachakuti, the cosmic upheaval where everything is upside down and that's very easy to demonstrate. Like for instance, uh, the marketplace like uh, many hundreds of years ago was just like a, an appendix to society and society always had, like a, uh, always had social control over the market. Whereas nowadays it's, it's the opposite, it's the total opposite. The most important thing is the market and the society just an appendix to, to the market. The market takes all the decisions about society. So society has become an appendix of the market. And as you mentioned, even more is not only the, the market of uh, goods and services, but it is an intangible market, the financial market, that nowadays they are being administered by computers, but not by us anymore. You know, like uh, in 2003, I believe there was a huge crisis that happened in the financial market. And this crisis was created by computers that initiated the trade at many instances. And they actually managed to create a huge financial crisis. So nowadays it is artificial intelligence, it is robotics, it's engineering that have that are trying to go beyond the control of humans and administer themselves by, by, by on their own and create their own. You know that uh, uh, Microsoft created a chatbot in the internet, and at the end of the day, once the, this chatbot was created, they had to, to bring it down because this chatbot or robot was behaving in a very bad way. It became a bully. It became a, a very racist uh, chatbot. Uh, and it was becoming like a monster, like a Frankenstein. You know, so they had to, to take it off. And this is happening increasingly so with, with the advent of the artificial intelligence and with robotics, you know, it's just very scary. So we are losing, uh, we are losing control over many, many things, you know. And uh, so this is the 
the only time in which we can still do something about the bad things that we have been doing, the, the forgetfulness that we have entered into, it is still time to remedy this. And the remedy is quite easy. We have to remember the original instructions and to live according to them. And actually, the, the meaning of uh, Avyayala, it, it comes from the Kuna language, from the Kuna people. The Kuna people, they live in what is nowadays Panama, but actually they originate in, in Colombia. But they had to flee Colombia because there was a long war there in Colombia. So they moved to Panama. And uh, an Aymara elder was actually traveling to North America. So he, he came over here to, to make contact with his sisters and brothers because the, the prophecy said that we were going to meet with each other again in, in time. So he tried to be more proactive. So he traveled to, to, to the back of the turtle. He met the Haudenosaunee nation. He met many Anishinaabe elders, Inuk elders, and many, many elders from the ones that exist, uh, from the nations that exist here on the back of the turtle. And as he was going back to, to my country, he decided to do it by land, not, not to take the airplane. So he visited many, many nations in the US. He moved on to Central America, and eventually, he ended up in Panama, and that's where he learned that the people there, they called the whole territory uh, Aviayala. So he asked why, and of course he asked for the meaning of this uh, word, and he learned that Aviayala means the mature land, because it is inhabited by mature people, which are our indigenous nations, you know? So that's what it means. Adiyala, it means the mature nation, or also the, the land in fruition. So all those significances are very beautiful, you know, because you're talking about your land that is bearing fruit already. And that's, that's a very keen observation that our ancestors had about the land. Because like, uh, if you plant a, an apple tree and the tree hasn't lost its, uh, original instructions. So eventually that apple tree is going to grow up, it's going to become a, a, an apple tree, and eventually it'll start to apple because that is the original instruction. The same thing, if you have a kitten, eventually it's going to grow up and it's going to become a cat because that is that its original instruction. Whereas we as human beings, we need to wear several masks. We have to be doctors, we have to be students, we have to be uh, engineers, we have to be this and that. So we need to be many other masks because we are afraid because colonialism, capitalism and patriarchy, they um, imbued in us this fear of looking at our own eyes. We are afraid at, at looking at who we are, but we shouldn't be afraid. We are just humans and that's what we should be. We should be humans. And that's the only thing that it takes to go to the next step, 
to be a good human. So in my classes, I, you know, the message I pass to my students is that if you remember your original instructions, you are going to be a, a good human. And if you are a good human, to, make, to take the next step and to be a good ancestor is just a small step that you have to take. But you have to begin somewhere. You have to begin somewhere. You have to begin by, by abiding by the teachings of the seven grandfathers if you live here on Turtle Island. Thank you. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Silvia. Take care. That was Dr. Marcelo Saavedra. He's a professor in Indigenous Studies at the University of Ottawa. We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at www.latinwavesmedia.com. Visit Latin Waves Media to hear previous shows to access resources or support our efforts towards social change via community project engagement. Thank you and bye for now.